Welcome to the Propaganda Report. I'm Monica Perez here with my co-host, Brad Binkley, and we are super excited to talk to our guest today. This gets me, maybe more than Binkley, outside my comfort zone with someone I've listened to many, many hours. And most of what he talks about is over my head. But I'm very curious about these subjects. But also, he's very well versed in what we talk about so much propaganda, conspiracy. I think this is going to be a very elevating and enlightening experience. So please, let's welcome the great, and I mean that, Michael Vaughn. Hey, Michael. Well, thank you for having me. It was I mean, that was that was like a that was like a really good setup. You're like, I don't understand a single thing this dude <laughs> says, but I'm going to come great. I'm going to come great. Come on the show. And let's no, you go. are great. I just I have listened to so many hours of your stuff and I feel like I'm wrapping a warm blanket around me. I feel like I may be floating a little bit. I think there's something to it. But then my math brain, just most people have a lizard brain. I just have a math brain. Brain and it right. starts saying like, wait, wait, no, we can measure the distance to the moon. Like, but I, but I actually don't, I, I basically don't believe any official narratives at all. So I'm open to all. We're, we're at that on. point right Everything. now. That's, that's yes. what's so, that's what I think is so friggin' exciting. Exciting. You said this a moment ago. You're like, you know what? I'm a little bit outside of my comfort zone. <laughs> and I'm like, do you remember March, 2020? Do you remember like the entire world was moved out of their comfort zone? So it's like, this is where we're met. This is one way or the other. This is where we're meant to be. We need to get comfortable in this discomfort as we try to navigate through like the the onslaught of 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 mental attacks coming in from every angle. But but if you've yes. been prepared, which I'm assuming everyone both on this conversation and listening at home, it's like, all right, like, you know, we're, we, we've been prepped. I think this is my personal opinion. I think from the days of Scooby-Doo, from the days of Scooby-Doo. So Scooby-Doo came out, I want to say, late 60s to like mid 70s. Like that put into the mindset of all of every generation afterwards, but primarily Generation X is like, all right, you're going to have to go and sort through a friggin mystery. (laughs) <laughs> and so we've been prepped. We've been prepped for this. And this is what we're here for today to, to talk about. This is a Scooby-Doo mystery. I want, can we dive right into the deep end? We do like to take the deep dive. And you, for, you so, start it. I'm going to follow. All right. Here's the question right out of the gate is. So you talked about March 2020. This wasn't the first question I was going to ask you, but I'm going to ask it. They I look at the I was shocked, shocked at how easy it was for the entire world to just roll over every, it seems like every leader at every level of government from the lowest to the highest across internationally, across states, federal, then, and it, I live in LA. So I saw that the power really at its source, which was the people were afraid and, they there must be so much psychology that goes into uh, being prepared to to make a world 
move like that from the power elite. Can you tell us your opinion on who what who are the power elite? What is the nature of their power and how did they get us all to succumb, submit right away like that? Is it psychology alone? What is going on? We only have an hour and a half. Go. That's like, yeah, exactly. I only got an hour and a half for that one question. All right. So this is my take. So um, uh, I don't think I would. The word what the word surprise would not describe my personal response to that. Um, I was more I was impressed. I was impressed as like, uh, this this is on lockdown. I was particularly the where I was surprised was not so much with um, uh, government leaders, per se, but the media. Like we always knew the media was like, oh, yeah, the media is controlled and this and that. But when it came out, the lockstep of not a single a single uh, uh, narrative which went in opposition like that blew my mind. Like I was like, oh, I know. Yeah. I know that this is still like, you know, a controlled media, but they're supposed to say the opposite and overnight. Like, so that I found was that's what that's probably where I was most shocked to the level of organization of this. So if we want to go and deconstruct this, um, what they what happened, if you could remember, it was uh, the first 100 days. I'd never seen anything like it. If you go back, I don't I don't normally I've not watched um news for a long time. But as soon as this was going on, I was like, all right, I'm watching the news and how the story was propagated. It was it was just like nonstop. Every single story on that 30 minute, that 22 minutes uh, national news uh, uh, program was all about COVID and COVID numbers and and everything they were doing. And they did it for a hundred friggin days. They did it for a hundred friggin days, a hundred days straight, just like dun, 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 dun. And is, you know, you generally set generally uh, the general rule of thumb is that 20% of the population is highly suggestible. And this comes from both like, you know, hypnosis studies and placebo studies. It's all the same sort of thing. And then 20% of the population is highly unsuggestible. And then everyone else is like on a bell curve distribution. And this 100 days of watching and everything that goes on with like with with like how you go and you break down um, any sort of mental resistance, uh, they just nailed it. They just hammered it, hammered it, hammered it. And that like that 20 percent of suggestibility became 25, 30 until like, you know, the overwhelming majority uh, of people were just like hearing the same message over and over again. You know, the old adage of, you know, you tell a lie big enough and you tell it often enough, you know, it comes true. And that happened. And I was thinking about this. It never came to fruition. But like this jumped in my mind, like when the whole uh, the the Biden presidency was was coming in 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 January, he was talking about the 100 days of mask wearing. It's like it's 100 days. If you do a search on like how to develop good habits, you'll see like 100 days is like a magic number. So so that was a big part of it was was just 
was was that. Um, and then it, it, the techniques which they used. I used to pre- I used to present statistics for a living. Like I would go in and like I would capture statistics and then I p- would present it. And I'm not a statistician. Like I'm not like an expert with with like really like complex statistics. But I learned really friggin quickly. Like this is how this is how you can like uh, lead a story. This is how you can like completely manipulate statistics, all this sort of stuff. Like it's not rocket science. How to lie with statistics. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. Like statistics are here's the most basic thing. The most basic thing about statistics is when you give a statistic, what are you comparing it to? So what you're comparing your statistic, whatever you're trying to show to is the primary like this is how you're going to lie. I'm going to say I'm going to compare it to this or I'm going to compare it to that. doesn't matter. But if you compare it to nothing, when you say like, I'm not even going to compare it to anything, I'm just going to give you a friggin number with no point of reference, with no point of reference. It is the ultimate smack in the face of like trying to at least uh, give the illusion of not trying to like uh, paint a story. And that's all they did in that hundred days. They just hit you with number after number after number. And it's like, this is how many people died or this is how many people got sick. And you're like, well, what am I comparing it to? And the normal person is getting run down like mentally because you're seeing all of this stuff and they're overwhelmed. And then they're like, oh, by the way, we're going to give you some money. And and for the past 10 years, we have added so much technology and so much work into your day to day life that you're probably about to mentally explode. You're about to mentally explode because no being can go through what the last 10 years has been. And then guess what? We're going to give you a pass to stay at home. Now, granted, you're going to hate that because you're going to be stuck with the people who you can't stand anyway. So we're going to break down everything in your life. But this is what they did. And so it was like, here's the other thing that surprised me. What I, what I did find surprising was the people who in my personal life, who I thought would question it, who did not. And the people who I thought would not question it, who did that, that was very surprising for me as well. That's some data collection they're getting too on people's responses to this by they, it's, you know, the 100 flowers campaign in China. They say, come criticize the government for 100 days and people come criticize the government. Then they go round them up, put them in the gulag. Seeing who reacts and who doesn't react is a way to collect data on how people react to these prompts they put out. Well, one other quick thing about the news, locking people down for a year. And you mentioned you're going to watch the news now. Everybody had to watch the news because they couldn't go anywhere and every single channel only talked about this and even the the shows they started weaving it into the programming of the regular shows and the movies and netflix and everything too so it was inescapable i didn't even realize that was happening wow so there was one one thing i want to respond to is this idea of comparing it with nothing and i feel like that's because they could do that what people were naturally comparing it to then was zero tolerance for any pain suffering or death like a complete people are living just completely outside of reality like we don't actually see death we put our old people into nursing homes and stuff excuse me sorry uh, so yes. um, and and the other thing is that I think there's this thing called SPARS, the 2017 Johns Hopkins test that looked a lot like COVID and people thought it was a precursor to COVID. But it was, but only to the extent that or to the ex- the main purpose of it was to have all these things happen so that they could test out 
how effective different propaganda techniques were. And I think that goes to what Binkley is saying about that in those responses, like you were surprised at some of the responses you saw Binkley saying they're refining their psychological technique. I'm saying they're refining their propaganda technique. Um, I think they're, uh, I just, I feel like there is a lot of testing going on now. A lot of data. Oh, like it's a Pfizer put out a report that they are conducting a live trial of their vaccine from April 2021 to April 2022. And they're going to ERs and they're finding out death stats. I mean, that should be like a Nuremberg violation. They are literally doing a trial, but that's also them like literally gathering the data from the live trial. And I think it was in all of those regards. So a couple of things, a lot of really good points. So the, the way I see it, um, everything really kicked off after World War Two. Like, you know, when everyone came back from World War Two, that's when everything changed. That's when the computers changed. That was like the birth of the baby boomers. You got a whole generation of men who are just like screwed in the head because of what they just had to go through over in Europe or in, in Asia. Uh, everyone was moving to like the suburbs and like, you know, separating all that sort of stuff. So there's been like a, a slow there's been a slow movement of change of manipulation through culture and all that sort of stuff. And that's and it's been speaking. Speeding up, you know, it seems to speed up, you know, every 25 years, there seems to be a big jump. Uh, what we saw in 2020 was was extraordinary. And I think that that, you know, there's a there's a there's a big shift there, but it, it didn't come out of the blue. It definitely did not come out of the blue. And and as we said before, like, where I was surprised. It's like, wow, this is you know, I've been following this for a while, but I was surprised by how how in lockstep everything was. Um, as it relates to uh, that that time frame, what what also I think is very interesting, and well, and well, well, first the 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 data gathering undoubtedly is their data gathering, and and what they're gathering that data for. I mean, the the entire the entire notion of information technology, which is primarily the 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 most significant industry in our lives right now is about data collection. So, of course, like, you know, data collection, if anything can be captured, it's going to be captured. And then, you know, at some point it'll be used for whatever reason. So. So, yes, this is a big data co collection operation. Uh, what what also struck struck me at that time um, and you're talking about like how the people were responding was uh, the nature of how fear and being scared was a badge of friggin honor like that blew my friggin mind. And I, I think like I had no idea that Chris Cuomo was a person until like last year. And so I started watching. And so so I, I found out who this Chris Cuomo guy was and he has the show right on CNN. Yeah. And he was uh, he was he was uh, diagnosed. He was diagnosed with with covid. And so he captured his he captured his story on CNN, like, you know, locked in his basement. This was probably like April of 
of last year. And so I'm doing a little bit of research on like, who is this Chris Cuomo? How is he presented all this sort of stuff? And he's kind of presented like, like the Cuomo's are kind of tough guys, right? You know, totally. they, they've got, they've got that. And he was like the, he was like the buff, tough guy. Like he was like, you know, strong and muscular and all these videos of him. And yeah. then he was like, I was so friggin' scared. I was sweating all friggin' night long. And the dreams the dreams were terrifying. And I'm like, are like they're giving this like, like, look, here's the toughest guy, you know, because we told you he's the toughest guy, you know, and now he's just like cowering over like dreams. So it's like, again, like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, I should be scared. I should be scared. I should be scared. Like, you know, to this idea of what you're saying about like death and we're so far removed for death. Um and, and fear and discomfort and, you know, convenience is the problem. You know, we've got addicted to convenience. So, yeah, I was thinking about the another thing was Tom Hanks made a, a speech to like a commencement speech. And he was likening these kids who had to skip their graduation to the greatest generation of like World War Two veterans, because they, too, made the ultimate sacrifice, like your ultimate sacrifice is missing your graduation party. But but why, you know, to get a little deeper into the kind of thing that you illuminate how how is that so powerful because that is a power play and they and they are i feel like they're trying to fundamentally transform human beings and i maybe they can do it through vaccines or something i don't know but they haven't done it yet because if they've done it already then they would not need that 24 7 uh a barrage of propaganda night and day on every station. And like Mickley was saying, even through the entertainment and everything, they they are they're just suppressing human nature right now. But I feel like they're trying to transform it. The fear comes into that. Maybe the vaccines come into that. Uh, and, you know, I have no sense of like magical or like other dimensions and and how maybe things that I can't see as a very like a black and white person may be at play because I really get stuck wondering, like, is this evil? Like at a certain point, I wonder where where even the motive to want to to transform humanity at those highest levels of power on Earth come from? It seems so like evil. But what is it? All right. You brought up a lot of interesting stuff. You said you want to go in the deep end. Now we're, we're starting, down there. We're starting, we're, starting, <laughs> we're starting to go into that. All right. All right. All right. So. Um, so so where to begin? Um because you brought up a bunch. Let's talk about like, like the, the question is like who and why? Like, I don't know. Like I've I've read tons of good stories. I've read tons of good explanations of what this is about. Um, but I don't I you know, I don't know. I I'm comfortable moving to the point where I'm like, OK, this is as objective reality as I can get. And I'm going to sit here and then I'm going to be open to all the other stories. And I'm going to recognize them as stories, but I'm not going to jump onto one. Or if I do jump onto one, I do. I recognize like I'm taking a leap of faith. And so the moment if I get better evidence that tells me that my leap of faith, because I've definitely taken leap of faith. So I've gone down rabbit holes that have turned out to be nothing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not so tied to the story. So, um, 
So I don't know who I don't know what or who it is. I think uh, what is more clear is modus operandi. Like you can identify the techniques. Um, you know, are, are, are these multidimensional adrenochrome drinking uh, parasitic entities? I don't know. Are well, they then ar- we have our stories, right? That's then my story. I mean, I don't know about the adrenochrome, but like there's a story. That's another thing that I kind of wonder about. I sent you an article about the mounds and you're like, well, they're putting this in the collective mind. You know why? So so how do you like you look at stories there are a lot of stories going around. They compete. They're designed for different demographics. Mm-hmm. Like how does, you know, maybe what is the, per, you know, what is the purpose of that? What is the, so, how does so they are, well, let me go back to what I thought yeah. you made a, a brilliant point, And I think about this a lot. Um, when you actually look at the amount of effort, the amount of effort which is placed upon humanity for us to see reality in a certain way. That's what I would say it all is. It is. I mean, that's the was it Walter Lippmann who said, like, you know, I want to paint the pictures which people see in their minds. Like, that's what this all is. This is giving people a lens like this is what the game is. The game is to give you a lens so that when something happens, you will see you will interpret it upon amongst this way. Like, that's a big part of the game. And so uh, that's been going on for a long time. But 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 there's so much effort to shape the way we see things. And it begs the question. And and I used to hear this and I I would roll my eyes at it because it just sounded like too like, you know, it wasn't my cup of tea. But like if you had any idea how powerful human beings were, you'd be so surprised. I'm like, how how powerful are we? You why don't you tell give me something I could work with? That's what I used to say like not that i had a not that i was doubting that but i doubted that as just lip service but when i started thinking about the amount of effort which is being put upon us i'm like well that would only happen because there is something very very um which wants to be expressed and from the human being which is being which is being um, which is being suppressed with a great amount of effort. <clears throat> so so that becomes very evident. And then I would also suggest this. So this is a, this is what 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 the general technique of what I'm going to call the matrix. There's matrix and there's the matrix and there, there are other levels of reality. We can go into that as well. But the 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 matrix is and it is it is a, an artificial reality which primarily exists first in consciousness in the way which we interpret reality it's like when we see things we're like oh okay this means that it is to create a false reality so they create a false reality which is pretty close to an actual baseline like objective reality thing and they make you think that that's that's where you should put all of your attention human beings ha- are going to connect to something. You're going to go, you have your inner world and there's an outer world. There's going to be a connection. So they create the false reality. Everyone looks at the false reality. That's like your education. That's your, your, your media. That's, that's all of the sort of stuff. We all see things a certain way. Um, it's seemingly true. There's something which feels um, uh, somewhat, there's a seed of truth within it. That's the hook. And so you buy into that story, but at the same time, another version, 
and maybe a, a, a bigger part of the story is just completely hidden and it's hidden by not even being talked about, by being ignored. So there's a there's a there's a natural thing which human beings want to do. We want to connect with something. Um, we want to connect with life. We want to connect with something. But that thing, which I think we normally would connect to, and we could talk about that a little bit later, that is being hidden from us. But we're given this false reality. And because we don't have anything else to go and because there's like something which is which is inherently wrong within us, you know, plus multi-generational, at least since World War Two, of just like deconstructing the family, bringing out the worst qualities within human beings by creating certain sort of 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 of, of societies, then like you're like, OK, let me hook on to this. I am afraid. I am afraid. And and I am afraid to die because, you know, I'm so afraid of death and I, I just want to stay here and blah, blah, blah. And, and so that's that's kind of how it works. Now, what I do think is happening. This is why I do think it's happening. Um, the outer world is changing. The outer world is undeniably changing. Uh, we cannot go back to how we collectively lived prior to 2020. And this is something which is hard for a lot of people to wrap their mind with. You shouldn't want to. It was always a shit show. It was always a mold infested yes. McMansion subdivision. Like, you know, it may look all kind of nice on the outside, but you don't want to be there. This is the best thing that ever happened to you because you can't go back. But we're going to have to step into the unknown. And here's the thing which is going to be most difficult is recognizing that what we think life on Earth and what a human being should be has been completely shaped to us. And so the best we can say is like, well, I know that's not it, but what it should be, we don't necessarily have that model. And so as the outer world is changing, and if you're deciding not to go down that particular path, you're going to go down another path, but it is going to require that you're going to be stepping in and thinking about things in a way you probably haven't thought of before. And what I, you know, what makes sense to me is maybe what is the truth. And, you know, I say truth with quotation marks, like the possibility, what 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 life on Earth could be or was or, or with for human beings is going to sound more like fantasy. Is going to sound more like fantasy because we've been so conditioned to think that this is what reality is, that if when something is being presented that does not fit that model, you're like, oh, well, that's fantasy. Now, that doesn't mean all fantasy is is <clears throat> is 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 valid, but maybe the valid stuff is still going to sound like fantasy. And we're at that point right now where we need to start looking out and uh, into the horizon with maybe a little bit more flexibility. You're speaking. Do my you language. mean oh, that? Yeah. I was gonna say you're speaking my language, man. They, yeah. This is perfectly describing some of the narrative warfare stuff. That there's these books that I found, these videos I found of these narrative warfare strategists that are designed for intelligence community and people who they work in international intelligence and stuff like that. And so it's like an instruction manual. And one of the things they say is that narrative warfare is not a a battle over truth. It's a battle over meaning. And the idea is that you are to give the target population the meaning. You, 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 you put that meaning in their brains before they can determine what the meaning of an event is themselves. So you don't even give them the opportunity and you don't even, you try not to allow a competing narrative to even enter. So like you said, they hide that 
reality or that other interpretation to the point where people never even see it because they try to embed those narratives, those assumptions deep in people's unconscious mind where they're not even aware that it's an assumption. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you're exactly right. That, that was my comment. <laughs> Monica. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's what I'm I mean, you definitely have a better handle on this stuff than I do. But I just uh, when you say like it will feel more like fantasy. Are you I mean, this is something that I've heard you say before about not going back. And I know, you know, that I've thought about that because right when this started and it was I remember it was planted in my mind. I was like I watch Forensic Files sometimes or I just had it on for a minute and somehow I found myself having really unconsciously, I couldn't even remember it till it got to the door. I ordered Ted Kaczynski's book, Technological Slavery, like February 2020. And when I read it, like the day I got it, I just tore through it and I was like, holy crap. And then this started happening. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I didn't buy a cabin in Montana and started making you know, whatever my bat out of sticks. Like, I, I'm so stupid. I was just like a week behind. And so here we are. And, and I thought, well, it's not too late. I'm going to buy a chicken. I'm going to figure this out. And you you said, I think I heard you said, like, that's not really the answer and I don't and, think so it can't be and and so what is the you know not what is the <sighs> answer but like when you say there's like a, a may feel like a fantastical quality is that because we will find inner inner depths of strength like or power like magic or because technology will will make us uh, uh you know i'm not gonna say transhuman like cyborgs but something you know how do you how do you see it or is it All depth right. or is it All linear right, so- uh, okay, 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 okay. So there, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of unknown, right? So um, the way I see it is everything which we everything in our matrix world is an inversion is an inversion of of something which should we like a harmonious truth. And by inversion or how we can identify that is it's about destruction. Something's got to be destroyed to made. There, someone has to be in prison. Someone has to be enslaved like that. That's like, you know, that's how we know the matrix. It's like um, they're, they're the whole pay to play sort of system. So we can look at technology. We can look at the change of technology. We can look at all of the different things in our technology right now. And we can just reverse engineer it to something which which is true. Um, and so one of the and this has been from the very beginning, like, I mean, you said this a little bit a little while ago about how, like, you you don't trust anything or at least you're suspect of everything. You know, that's and I think that's a healthy thing. So I'm suspect of everything. But I, I we still work with the best information we have. It's like, well, you know, it's that the, it is the history they told us. Well, at least work with this. Um, so it where the, the whole civilization is really based upon this idea of like, you know, scale scarcity and like, you know, it really kicked off with what was it? Malthusian uh, economics and like, yes, you know, all of the scarcity sort of stuff. So 
I think that all of that's a friggin' psyop. I think, well, well, let me take a step back. You're like, well, I think we've been changing ever since the addition, the introduction of pharmaceuticals. Like we are in a process. Like I was born to parents who were, who took vaccines, like the vaccines changed the DNA. And so I'm their child and I have vaccines. So we're like in this transition sort of place. And I think the human being is changing. I think that everything is changing and oh. a clue a clue as to where we're going is by looking at the technology and what's available uh, and and by saying, like, well, maybe all of those uh, abilities would be able to occur. Because remember, they're putting so much energy, so much energy so that we cannot be friggin human. We don't even know what human is. And so you got to just say, like, I don't know. The only thing you know about being human is what you've seen in your life. So this is where I'm talking about the fantastical. So like all this stuff on the Internet, like the Internet basically is a way to store and access any piece of information. Um, I think that we should be able to do that. I think that I don't know where I don't know how, but I think that's a universal truth. I think that's a universal truth. And whether you want to say like our pineal gland has been calcified from cal from from something else or whatever, I don't know. But I think that's part of being human. And I think that part of the experience of moving out of the system of moving out of the system is these attributes out of necessity will begin to show themselves and out of fear is the reason why we're not going to go step into it. So that would be part of it. I'll also, I'll also, um, you know, I'll, I'll say this, like, here's a big thing within, um, within the internet, the whole thing about uh, privacy, everything's, you know, you got no privacy and you're like, you're fighting for your privacy. Um, I think that's a truth. I think that that's a truth of what a real human being is meant to be. I think that that a human being without all of and maybe we're changing into maybe we were this and we're becoming it. I don't know. They say that time isn't linear. But regardless, this is what I think a human being truly is, because we're very, very special creatures. So I think that a human being is so in tuned with other human beings, you know, in 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 the in the world where we have not been manipulated and we are completely I don't even think we use words. I don't think we thought in words like thinking in words is part of is part of like the limitation of our of our, our consciousness. But nonetheless, every person words are our coding. Sorry, they're to coding. Totally, yeah. totally. Uh, so every every way which you interacted with another human being, you knew everything about them. There was no privacy. You had no privacy. They had no privacy. But because of that, it was immensely freeing. Like if you've ever been to a nudist colony, if you've ever been around like a whole bunch of naked people, there's nothing that feels better than being that way. We live in a time where everything is a mask, is a persona, is like no one is honest with themselves. Everything is like postured. And that's a lot of friggin work. And because of that, that, like, you know, there's all this, you know, you could go deeper and deeper with that. So part of what I think like the human experience is the fact that there isn't privacy because we're able to sense everything, but there's no shame. You can only have shame if you're trying to hide something. It's like, you know, whether, you know, you said someone's lusting for you or whether you knew they had a bad day, like, you know, we all share that same thing. And so it's like, like there's a, there's an understanding and an empathy and a compassion, and it's not even a thing. So, 
like the fact that we call it privacy, like that's a big deal. I don't think I think that in another way in which we were that that is not even a, it's not even an idea. And let me say this one last thing and then I'll let you say that because you mentioned magic. I think magic is part of the word coding. What we call magic and not necessarily ceremonial magic, but this kind of like the way the inner world and the outer world and cause and effect happen. Like that's just the way life works. But as soon as we label it, as soon as we label it as something else, as soon as we're like, oh, okay, it's magic. You know, it's different than what regular life is. Now it's something else. Like I think that's part of, of like the, the, the suppression of what the human being is all the while that there's a there's a movement to, you know, encapsulate consciousness in some sort of like computer, whatever their computers are. I don't even know what they are anymore. I'm I'm what worries me, though. I mean, a few things about what you were saying, like you, you want to you might be afraid to step into it. You're uh, fighting for privacy and that's not natural. I totally agree. That really resonates. I have Absolutely. It's actually uh, a problem, but I just have no boundaries. Like even when I started doing this, like you have to remember to not just lay yourself bare if you're like a person who does that kind of thing. So but the reason that I personally have fear about the privacy issue is that it's the honesty, the exposure is asymmetric and the people who are luring you into exposing yourself are hidden and you cannot, I don't think you can trust them because of the things like the vaccine and stuff where what you're talking about, actually it totally resonates also because you know, like the, do you ever talk about or think about like Lamarck versus Darwin so I think Darwinian evolution is like ridiculous. It's mathematically impossible. There's just not a chance in the world. But Lamarck, and it was disproven in 1925 by Paul Cameron, who was shot and suicided himself in the back of the head. But um, hard way to do it. Yeah, it was it was they thought it was like his last joke was that he killed himself in a way it was impossible to kill himself. So he uh, I guess he was a real prankster. And uh, anyway, so but Lamarck's theory was that there is a, a subcellular intelligence that responds to the environment. So like when they say there's all this DNA that we don't know what it does, like I think maybe those are all the mutations that are just stored, 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 stored. And then as they have to, as you interact in your environment, some of those things turn on and off and you can actually convey them to your offspring. And that is what this guy proved that like Darwinian evolution, it makes less sense than Lamarckian. And, and it hadn't occurred to me that this whole vaccine thing and all the, all of the environmental, artificial environmental factors that we're exposed to are actually having a permanent impact on us that we will pass down. Um, I don't know. I mean, I start wondering, I, I have to doubt that, I usually think they capital T, they knew everything always and everything was planned like and that I, I know that can't be 100 percent true. Like, I think with the if you look at the history of vaccines, like it seems like things went wrong. They couldn't possibly have known the Lamarckian impact of vaccines all this time. But I also see the idea that we're not animals. We're not animal, like we're different from that. I think, you know, that's self-evident. So like the idea that the 
external extension of our mind, which would be like a computer that we created with our mind and hands on the pile of rocks that we found ourselves naked on. That is in itself like a has to almost by force be a natural extension of ourselves because it, it, it exists and we made it supposedly unless aliens gave it to us, which I think is a little bit insulting that we couldn't do it because I think we did. But uh but so there's so there's all of this, but you know to get back to the original point. So the the so there are people who are taking those forces and they're from higher above us, hiding themselves and manipulating these natural processes for us, and that's what gets us to be afraid and want to protect our natures. I think. Well, I th- I'll take a step back. So. This is just a model. This is the model which I like to use um, in terms of understanding reality. And, and I think it's big enough that like anyone else's model can fit within it. So there's there's base what I call baseline reality. And that's more or less like the natural world and the physical world, um, you know, nature, your body, all that sort of stuff. And then um, inside of that is is the the matrix or a matrix matrix is any human created reality you know any culture any like you know there's some matrices are better than others but like when you come up with like a culture like it's created by humans so there's that and that's just part of the human experience and then both of those exist within the greater reality the greater reality is a friggin' mystery like we can identify certain things about it we can identify some stuff but it's a mystery i don't think it's meant to be solved The heart of the human experience is a mystery. We don't know where we are. We don't know how we got here. We don't know what we're supposed to do. We don't even know who we're supposed to do or or who who we are. Like, I don't think that's a problem. Like, I think that's meant to be embraced. And and I and I don't me personally, I don't spend much time thinking about it because I don't I don't understand what the what the benefit would be. What I am interested in is like, you know, I'm in a body. I got ground under my feet and I got sky overhead and I got people who I care about. I want to have a good old time and I don't want to get I don't want to I don't want to play that game anymore. And the stuff which I was talking about, like pre 2020, you know, some people seem to resonate with it. But what I've realized is since 2020, a whole lot more people are becoming a whole lot more open minded. And that's not to say that what I'm saying has any sort of validity or, or accuracy in the way things are. But what we are seeing is we're beginning to have to look at things a different way. What you you used an example of um, a, a moment ago about uh, with with the honesty and you have to be you have to be, um, you know, uh, protective because you're around, you know, people are going to take advantage of that or, or and um, I agree with you, but. But that's also look, understanding reality within the matrix, like it, everything within when I say the matrix, it is completely encapsulating all of our human experience and it's self-referencing. So what it seems to be, it seems to be um, it seems to be uh, uh, this is it. This is just the way how things work. And it's very kind of like the the whole what is it? The Plato's cave analogy. It's like, you know, you're in the cave like there's some something out there. Um, We don't quite know what that is. We're not. And this has always been an interesting question, I suppose, for anyone who's been alive. But 
on the on the 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 trajectory which we are on right now, it is going to start to become like the best case uh, or the best thing you can do is start looking at things and wanting to get out of the way things were completely. If you do not want to go down a certain path, which is being laid out. And I think when you get out of that, that's when all of the stuff that's within the, the matrix. And again, these are just ideas because we begin this. Everything starts with the story. Everything starts with the story. And so we need to at least have a story to move towards. And then as we get like more information and we're flexible with it, well, then, you know, we meet that. But we we're at the beginning of a journey right now, like particularly one way or the other. If you're going to take the left hand path or the right hand path, it's like, you know, that things are different. They're going to be very different one year from now, five years from now and so forth. I do worry a little bit that this, like you said, the people fight to keep their privacy. I fight for liberty for I fight against what I think are people who have a different value system and have a a tremendous influence over humanity, the culture, me, my children. But I worry sometimes that they that the that I myself in framing things that way, viewing things that way, I'm a victim of a, an adversarial narrative that 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 reinforces the narrative that those people are imposing. Yeah. But um, I also feel like to give up on that is to just give them what they want, which is not the better you know, is to not bring out the better elements of humanity. Like it's it's a little bit of a paradox. My mother's super religious. She's super Catholic and she just prays all the time and she doesn't care about anything. She will like she's buried her own children and she like doesn't even cry that much. She's just like she believes in Jesus. She's looking forward to it. She like wonders why I fret about this earth. She's like, God is up in his heaven. It's unfolding the way it's supposed to. I'm like, but he didn't put us here to wait to die. Like that doesn't work that way. So there has to be a way to balance between what, what, you know, that the matrix, I don't know if it's a matrix within a matrix, but yeah, like the matrix that like I'm aware of as a very like three dimensional thinker in this world and kind of the hopefulness of it, not really being that profoundly meaningful. It's the stuff outside that we don't have a window to really, or do we, do we have a window to the bigger meaning, any window at all that can help settle the nerves in a time like this. So, so I I think they're, you know, to me, they're, they're kind of the same answer. Um, I want to to go back to what you said about your mom and the state of grace, the state of poise and composure, which she carries despite what the outer world presents to her. Um, And and that ain't unique to Catholics. You see that in any truly committed religious person, you know, regardless of of the religion. And so. you can begin to realize like there's a truth to that, that state. I think that is a, an immense leap. That's it. That's an, a, a, if, if your mother can can walk that walk, you know, that is that is an immensely powerful state to be in, um, regardless of how you got there. So I think that's that points to the truth. You know, I, I talked about that before, like, you know, the the real objective, we need to connect to something and you can we can connect to something deeper like your your 
mother is connected to something deeper uh, and it's not bullshit because she really walks the walk. Like she's not just like giving lip service to it. She actually is like, I don't have a concern in the world. Now you may like deconstruct her logic system. Be like, ma, that story was made up, but still she won't. She doesn't care. She doesn't care. She said when I was 19, I decided this was a better way to live. And I haven't really gone down the intellectual stuff since then. I don't worry about the details. There's, there's a truth (laughs) to that, but then like, you know, that's also a different time. But if you can get to that space, regardless, I think that that's a big part of what lies ahead. Much of so much of our of our of 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 our um, indoctrination has been getting us out of that part of the human experience to be able to tap into that, whether it's like, you know, I'm connected to God or I'm connected to the mother earth or I'm connected to the aliens or whatever, like your thing is there has to be something greater than you, which you connect with. That's a universal truth of the human experience. And when you do that authentically, you will be in a different state where you are not, you're not going to, you're not going to move off your center. So that being said, all that being said, there's only one thing which human beings have control of. There's only one thing and it's your inner world. It is your inner world. It is self-mastery, however you want to determine that. You know, it doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to be emotional. It doesn't have to be intellectual. It is like it is your unique journey with you and how you meet the outer world. And there is a strange relationship between our inner world and the outer world. And they seemingly connect in one in some ways, like your inner world can influence the outer world and the outer world will influence your inner world. And people seem to know some of these techniques and they're playing games with you. But at the end of the day is if you if you understand how you work, well, then you can be like your mother. And I think that is part of this pathway out of it as we're moving through this. We're in a position right now where you either have you're going to go along with it even if you say well i'm going to fight it that's going along with it that's <laughs> that's, built, my, that's, my that's built into it it's like that's it it's that's like okay you're not going to go true. in it you're going to fight it well you're still with us absolutely it's the people who friggin reject it and are like well i'm just not going to do that i'm going to do my own little thing i'm not going to pay any attention to this and i'm going to do this i'm like oh i can't go into that store guess what i'm not going to go into that friggin store and and this is where it begins. So I'm I do a whole bunch of other shows and a lot of the other shows like it's just straight up weird, freaky stuff. And what we're talking about is like how like how do we go and bet like let's question all of these rules and like, you know, in a fun, playful way, but like a little bit of a scientific way. in the fact that we want to be able to have something which is measurable in terms of like how we move out of the 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 way which we live. My hot button is always like, you know, let's be objective. What is the only thing you truly can control or what is the only thing you can know for certain? Like, you know, or how far can we know? I that that's what I always use for my own compass points. Like, you know, I'll go down to that baseline reality, but then I also will go to the baseline reality in the fact that I think it's much different than what we than than what it has been presented. But I just don't know exactly what that means yet. And we're at a time to discover that. Makes me think about what a friend of ours, Prepper Bob, said: "Control your breath, control your life." And that inner that inner monologue can, if you can get more more control over the th- the thoughts that you tell yourself, and that is gonna it impacts the entire way that you feel, your confidence, and your everything. 
like the story. So let's talk about stories for a moment. The the human being, we're story beings. We love stories and stories provide meaning. Uh, Our entire lives, our experiential lives are completely made up of our stories. The stories we tell ourselves, we don't even we don't even think of them as stories like the deep, the, the, the most, the most, the most ingrained stories in each of us are called expectations. We don't even think about them as stories, but but like and then we we recognize our inner monologue. And that's probably like a second layer story. So we've got stories, everything stories, you know, propaganda is like stories. Movies are stories. They're all stories put in your head how to see the world. Um, but the truth of the matter and, and stories are very important to being human. But the truth of the matter is this. Every story deconstructs. There is not a single story. The nature of stories is every story deconstructs. It's going to deconstruct on the most obvious as if like the story is completely wrong, like it's a lie. It's like factually inaccurate. You deconstruct that way. It could deconstruct uh, in a more subtle way. It's filled with logical fallacies and it's like, you know, propagandize, you know, it could deconstruct that way. Or it could be a story which is actually like, you know, it's, it's factually true. Like I told you. All of the I told you my day of the last 24 hours and I went through what actually happened. But then someone else told the the exact same events, but maybe in a different perspective or a different point of view or like, you know, and then the story changes. Every story will change from point of view. Every story deconstructs stories, create our experiences and every story deconstructs. And somehow the stories which we internalize, which are given to us outside, come inside and then they become reality. And if you don't think it works that way, a bunch of people a year ago for 100 days told us a whole bunch of things that weren't true. And now everyone's wearing frigging masks yeah, and yeah. aren't taking them off. Right. Absolutely. That makes me think of a, an improv game. It's called he said he said she said it's very simple. It's four people on stage and the, the lights will shift based on the where the focus of the scene is. But they're in separate locations and it's a boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, and ex-girlfriend just telling their friends what happened with the breakup. So it just shifts back and forth. You hear the guy's side and then you hear the girl's side. And it's just two different realities that are being presented. And both people, even if they don't necessarily necessarily believe the reality they're telling at first, the more they tell it, the more it does become reality in their minds. And they could be on two different planets. The, the different stories they're telling. That that's how we work. And like when we don't see that as a flaw, as much as like an understanding, well, then then it becomes then it becomes something we can work with and we can understand and we can have control. Um with our experience, a little bit more control with our experience. There was something I wanted to ask you about, and I and it's so funny because it relates to the guy, Paul Kammerer, who had that uh, not credible suicide and figured out that Lamarck was more right than Darwin in 1925. His other hobby, his other passion as a scientist was a was he was a coincidence theorist like he believed that coincidences were more than simply random coincidences, that there was some power there. And I was thinking of that uh, in reading about synchro mysticism, which I know very little about, but it tapped into, but it's something that you know a lot about. And it tapped into this crazy, two crazy things happened to me, but I will only say this one crazy thing, but just like of so much meaning that I just can't get my mind around it. So 
you know how many people listen to a podcast, right? There's 7 billion people in the world. The number of people listening to this as a percentage of that number of people is very low, right? So uh, I'm in LA and I'm basically hopeless that I'll ever get anybody to, you know, be a friend, to understand anything like that. It's just not, it's just not my scene. I, I love it. It's beautiful, but it's just not, you know, I don't drive with it. So one day Binkley and I, we do a daily show and I said, oh, I guess maybe there's hope, you know, for Southern California. I saw somebody walking uh, in my neighborhood with a, an impeach Gavin Newsom shirt on. <clears throat> The next day I get a tweet. Do you live in blah, 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 blah? <laughs> I was like, what? I said, I, I was wearing my Gavin Newsom shirt yesterday. And then I was listening to your show and I heard <clears throat> you say you saw somebody walk past your house, whatever. And, the, and it was is she where she was. It was her. It was her. And then so now I go on that walk with her and she's like got all these qualities that I kind of need right now. And I love her. It's so crazy. We just clicked immediately. And I cannot get my mind around that as a coincidence. And then I had a negative thing happen last year. So we we really dug into Event 201. Totally knew everything that was coming. I basically lost my terrestrial radio show because of just saying, hey, man, this isn't two weeks. This is a year. Buckle up, blah, blah, blah. I think that's why I lost the show. But so Event 201 said the market's going to crash 40%. And I had just gotten this little nest egg of retirement money. I was like, oh, we should put it in the market like on that day. And that day came and I was like, we need to put this in the market that day. And like, it just wouldn't work. Like the account wouldn't do it or whatever. So like it costs so much. And I thought that's fucking crazy. I was all over that. Like, why, why would that happen? Why? You know, so to me, that was like a very bad thing. And then meeting this guy was a very good thing, but the odds, like the things that had to happen for it to work out that way, I could only think there's a God and he didn't want me to like have that, or there's a God and he wanted me to be friends with this chick like but how do you look at it from a synchro mystical point of view coincidences like that life-changing uh, completely unlikely um so my personal perspective is i i don't think there's there's like uh someone deciding this or that um i think stuff like naturally happens you know what what i think like a a quantum physics term might be um attractor fields like, you know, something happens which pulls things together. Um, and I, I also think like there comes a, again, this is this is Mike's opinion, but like there comes a point where it's just not worth studying too much. Like the more you study it, like the more the, the more the more microscope, the, the, the bigger the microscope you put on it, um, it's just going to fractal and fractal and fractal. It's like as soon as you feel, oh, I finally figured it out. I opened up the box and like, oh, there's a thousand more boxes. If the cat's uh, dead. But like. <laughs> and it, it kind of comes to the point where you surrender to it being like, this is just the nature of reality. The nature of reality is um, the world, like life experience is interconnected and um, events happen based upon connectivity. And, you know, the idea of good or bad or enjoyable or less enjoyable or, um, that's that just doesn't fit into it. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about about synchromysticism. So synchromysticism um, 
it is a blending of two words, synchronicity and mysticism. And so synchronicity was a term coined, I want to say in the 50s or 60s by by Carl Jung. And so like kind of like the Jungian definition of a synchronicity is a meaningful coincidence. So it sounds very similar to what you're talking about, what this guy was studying in 1925, which which was, of course, he's going to call it coincidence theory because it was before there was a term, which is a. Uh, 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 kind of a, a hint to what, what, what Brad was saying about how language is coding. It's like when you don't have a word in your language, that doesn't mean the thing doesn't exist. It just means you can't talk about it. Just because we didn't talk about meaningful coincidences prior to the term of synchronicity doesn't mean there weren't any. We just didn't know what to look for, what to talk about it. So, but anyway, so this is what a, a, a synch- to me, a better definition of a synchronicity is a two layered coincidence. So it's like you got like one layer of coincidence. And then there's a coincidence on top of that. So so and 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 Young was talking about or the way he described it is when you have the coincidence, it's very meaningful. Like it's not just like randomly like two things lining up. So the mysticism aspect in synchro mysticism takes like these these meaningful coincidences and everything is in play. So normally things which should not normally be considered as linked. Well, you can link them like it's 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 going one step further because a mystic, a mystic perspective, a mystical perspective is the understanding that everything is connected. Like there is like if you were to go and look at Earth from somewhere far away in a telescope, you're not going to start separating like the trees from the cars. It just gonna be like, look, there's there's Earth like it's one thing when we look at Mars. You can separate. And the more we look at it, you can separate it. So the mysticism is a purposeful understanding that there is a mysterious interconnection between all things. Um, and so that's that's kind of synchro mysticism. And I do a lot of research which deals upon it. And I think my brand of synchromistic research has resonated with a lot of folks is because I bring a very, very high degree of like, if I'm going to make a connection and I'm going to make a strange connection, it's going to be at least incredibly solid and poetic and like beautiful in how it happens. And so I like to do a lot of synchromistic research and storytelling. You say, uh, um, but what I think the real value of synchromysticism is, is, um, you know, it's, it's it's often said, I can't remember what the word is, but there's a word that that describes the 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 human capacity to see patterns where no patterns exist. And they're like, oh, that's just, you know, that's just part of the human that you're seeing patterns where, you know, you're just wired to see patterns. I'm like, well, isn't that the proof that you're supposed to be seeing pi- yeah, patterns? Yeah, yeah, right. That's admired? what they make fun of conspiracy theories. Right. It's that. like, but it's, like, like, that, like it's a pattern. Right. Exactly. And so <laughs> this is why synchromysticism and 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 conspiracy are so friggin' close. They're like a huge overlap. Like there's a big Venn diagram, like where they where they overlap. But but going back to what I think the real value of particularly the really far out synchro mysticism is, is when either doing the research or listening to a presentation, um, it begins to wire the brain 
to make like, I mean, they're always talking about like our neural pathways and new neural pathways. And you want to do that when you're like in, in a habitual sort of, of, of practice, it's because your, your, your neurons are firing in, um, in a, the same pattern. Now, I personally think that that's part of like the, the mind magic. They're saying that all you are is a biological machine functioning because of your friggin' neurons. I don't think that's where the mind exists, but that's me. I don't know. But anyway, when you begin to see these connections, you begin to begin to like look at things that are connected in ways which would normally not be considered uh, uh, in play. You are broadening the way which you are seeing reality is is connected. And so much of of the indoctrination which we go through is the opposite. Like we're trying to get to in a smaller and a smaller and a smaller and a smaller box. And so the the there, there's something immensely joyful of like watching like a like a synchromistic do a presentation like on a show or like read one of their blogs or watch one of their videos. Uh, I don't think I don't think like it necessarily points to like something which is tangible. It's like, well, what am I going to go do with this as much as it is like an expanded part of how you um, are able to perceive and experience reality and it counters the effects of um it counters the effects of what we have gone through. And I think this ties in very, very deeply to what your mother experiences. Your mother experiences that though. She, 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 uh, she, she did like a, she short circuited um, possibly an institution, which was meant to hamstring her. They're like, you know, 5% of them are still going to get through like that. That's the number I'm going to come up with. Like within every religion, you're going to find like a small percentage of like people who really are really like getting something through it. They move through all of the um, all of the shortcomings. I, um, I'll tell you, my 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 father was kind of short circuited by it. But when I started reading the Yoga Sutras and that stuff, I said, oh, this is my mom. This is what my mom does. <laughs> and, and it is. And that's why, like they say, you have to go to church every Sunday. And I said, like, it's not really that. It's that you have to it's a practice and you have to do that practice in order you're not or like you can't get to heaven if you don't whatever go to communion and it's like not that it's that you have to commune you have to know god you have to understand whatever that is and so she was always doing all of that stuff and i'll tell you if i told her i wanted to be a yogi she'd be fine you know she'd be okay like she would be like yeah you'll get there i'll see you there you know (laughs) like she wouldn't be uh stick with that other thing but so as far as though like uh you seem to and some of the things i've heard you say bring it to an extremely personal level how to kind of see your place in that in that matrix i don't know if it's uh, astrology that you do or reading uh, a synchro mystical reading. I'm not, I, I had a couple of very specific questions I wanted to ask you ever since I heard you talk about a few issues. So I don't want to, um, you know, rap or anything, but I just want to understand how, what you do is personally, you know, how can it help someone personally understand their, their place in it all or how to best, approach it all or what is it that you approach so, okay, from that's, personal that's, point of view? That's a great question. Thank you for that. Um, so um, 
Uh, I'll take a uh, I'll take a couple steps back before answering that question. Uh, the whole Susquehanna alchemy thing began like four or five years ago, and it was uh, it, it was primarily this fascinating research project. But what part of the fascination was not not only did this the research like have like it talked about like the beginning of the computer industry and the world's oldest river and the beginning of electricity so it has like very broad sort of um implications it was immensely personal to me because i was found myself living in a place where like the mystery like originated and I hadn't lived there. Like I was like, how could I be, you know, this conspiracy guy who's in all this weird stuff. And then he finds himself in the middle of the biggest mystery there is like, and so like Susquehanna alchemy turned very much into more of a question of reality and consciousness. And then eventually to like, you know, escaping the matrix. And, and when I say that, I don't mean like living off grid. I mean like being able to recognize through consciousness, like in simple ways, like what a calendar does, what does a calendar do to your mind? in terms of shaping reality. So, so the, the point I'm trying to make with that is it's immensely personal. Um, and I think that's a big part of it and, and stories, you know, it's all stories and understanding the personal stories. So, so probably like uh, my favorite thing to do is to work with people. I'm immensely, immensely curious in, in all humans. And I love to hear people's stories and, I like to I like to know I like to I like to talk to people about things which uh, they often don't feel comfortable talking about to, to other people, things that they're vulnerable about, things that they're, you know, all that sort of stuff. So um, and I couch it with in astrology, but I'm an unastrologer. Because I deconstruct astrology. I'm like, let me tell you, astrology is filled with bullshit. It's filled with traps. But it is also filled with immensely tr with a lot of truth, too. And so we go through this process of <clears throat> and, and I'll take it. Astrology is the birthright of every human being. And let me explain what I mean by that. I said this a little bit earlier that that at the heart of the human experiences, it's a mystery. We don't know where we are. We don't know how we got here and that sort of stuff. So that being said, every human being has the opportunity to walk out of their house, to walk out of their, their apartment, their hut, doesn't matter when or where they lived, and to look up in the night sky. Regardless of what, you know, we're, we call them stars. Like, you, well, you know, what the hell are they? I don't know. I don't have a better definition, but like, you know, what, different times, different cultures are going to have a different definition, but we can all agree. We're going to see those little white dots up in the sky and we're going to look up there. And it's the biggest thing which we can actually take in with our objective eyes. And we can all agree upon what we're looking at. And we are underneath it. That is objectively true. And we look up there and it's mysterious. And it is the human birthright to look up at the biggest thing you can see, the most mysterious thing you can see and say, what the fuck? What am I doing here? Give me a sign. Tell me something. And that is the birthplace of astrology. That is the birthplace of astrology. And then we'll go a little bit further and we can look at like planets and stuff like that. But if you go a little bit deeper into it and you go into the signs, you're going to go and realize there are all these different sort of systems and they're all competing with one another. And I think they all have a relative truth and there's something to do with all of those. But 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 what is objectively true is that the the most dramatic universal experience which you will have as a human being is when you go from living inside of another human being to no longer living inside of another human being.
like that. There's nothing else that everyone goes through, which is so like, when else are you like, oh, I was living in someone and no, I'm not. <laughs> and we know we, don't, we we've got all of these mysteries. But but the biggest mystery is is is, you know, where are we and how did we get here? And time does not matter, but timing does. And the timing of what we are born into and what we are born into is 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 we can see by the the literal placement of of where the planets are. And before you go and you you define that before you go, like, oh, you know, that's you know, let's go into a story, whether you want to agree with it or you want to write it off. There is a certain spot, a certain like middle space where you're like, well, it is a mystery. And this is a constantly moving perpetual motion machine above. And this is what was happened. And and somehow I'm linked. I don't know what that linked is. And so I begin right there and I, 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 I demystify a lot of stuff. But then I'm like, but there's a real mystery here. But, but this is truly your connection. And if you want something to ground with in terms of better understanding your experience here, there's no better place than understanding that. And I do a lot of like artwork and make like astrology accessible but then we talk stories and then and i show how like you're like according to astrology this is what what should be occurring and you're telling me i have people they they fill in their intake forms and like they tell me all sorts of interesting stuff and i'm like i i can see these patterns in your life and we can see that and we begin to change the story and it's not necessarily because or look at the story from a different way and we can tie it into like let's say planets for that just for another reason and it's not to say like oh there's a different story or oh mike knows the answer that's not the case at all it's like let's create some space so that you get away from your story because it's in that space you have mobility that's and that's yeah. what i'm interested in doing and that's what i'm interested in like all of the synchromysticism and all of that sort of stuff like i'm as practical as they come like i'm weird but i'm practical and so if i'm going to go and 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 put my energy into something like i'm going to want i'm going to want to know why and i'm going to want to have a return you know uh, convenience is what kills us here but economics and the true definition of economics which is bang for your buck economics is everything you know what you know how do i do the, how do i get the most amount of return with the least amount of effort without having diminishing returns it's not limited to finance now you're speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you, your approach helps people escape the limitations of their own stories, the narratives they've lived their entire lives, the un, unquestioned assumptions by kind of broadening the way that they, they think and, and look at not just the world, but their own, their own interpersonal stories. And something you were talking about a moment ago, when you were explaining synchro mysticism, that the brain when we create these new nodes from learning and, and attempting to uh, discover new things, it's painful. Learning is painful. Aristotle said that it is painful. It's, it's hard not to do what you've always done. Doing something new is you're going to be bad at it. You're not going to understand it as well first. But when we do create those new nodes and those new nodes connect to the old nodes and it reveals a new and deeper understanding, endorphins are released in our brain and it's pleasurable and it feels good. Mm -hmm. And that is incentive to go through that pain to broaden uh, our understanding of things and that perhaps that incentive is is means that we are supposed to continue digging deeper i, I don't know if i'm getting my understanding of uh, synchro mysticism correctly but it's fascinating to me 
Well, it's 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 <laughs> it's it's seeing connections and making connections in ways which and I'm saying this in the most general sense, in ways which normally people would not would not do. Like, you know, um, I've got this whole sort of series, I guess. Um, I have a, a personally. So a lot of the research, I tie it back to my own personal story uh, just because that's what I know the best. Uh, I've got a lot of very un un explainable connections to certain Christopher Nolan films and it keeps happening. Um, and so that and making those connections and then bringing meaning to it, uh, that's synchromysticism, you know, doing stuff like that. And then uh, not only do I think it's like good storytelling, like, you know, we love to be yes. entertained. Uh, it also encourages people like that's my favorite thing. Like I get I get I get contacted by folks all the time who like, oh, well, you know, I started because you said this. It got me thinking about that. And I did it. And they start thinking now. Now, the problem is like, you know, you don't want to get stuck in fantasy and like, oh, well, Christopher Nolan sending me secret messages through his films. <laughs> he could be. I can't say for certain he's not. But but like, you know, being able to walk that line, to walk that line between like, you know, what is you, I, you know, there, there's a I, I joke about this a lot, like, you know, about being crazy. As long as you're paying your taxes in this world, like, you know, you could say the craziest things. Uh, if you're not going to pay your taxes, you could say the crazy things, but you got to dress like a homeless person. But if you're going to if you're not like there's certain ways to, to get around, like, you know, wherever you're going to find your line of, of like of and what and crazy, all crazy. Crazy is is like your interpretation, the 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 distance away from the the mean of the this the 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 definition from the majority of people like that's all crazy is is like that's how we define it like how far away you are from that and and to be able to go and and walk a line where you can walk. Um, amongst a lot of different thinkers, you know, that's important to me. And so I try to do that with the synchromysticism as well. They, they've made they've established a narrative where not wearing two masks when you're outside by yourself is considered crazy by some people. That's a story. It's it's, it's you taught so me. He taught Binkley taught me the difference between a narrative and a story. All right. So the narrative is that we're fragile organisms that yes, yes, invisible right. monsters everywhere trying to kill us all. And that's the story it manifests. And one of the stories right. is that people who understand that yes. wear two masks. Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, it's 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 at the same. It's crazy, but it's like you, you can't even believe it. And those people are fun. crazy. Those it's, people are crazy, but they are considered not crazy. It's it's absolutely insane. It's like crazy is decided by vote. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, well, the, the, the to me, the best the best quote and it's it's used a lot, but it, it's because it's used a lot because it's so true is it is not a good sign. It's not a sign of good mental health to be well adjusted to a sick society. Yes. And it's it's. That's exactly that's exactly the case right now. Um, it's wild. So yeah. 
I, I want I, there were a few things that you had said that really piqued my interest over the course of the things that I was listening. So okay. at the risk of being one off and not just uh, because a big part of the storytelling, I can see how I understand Binkley and I have always rejoiced when we have a synchronistic experience in storytelling where the end of the story ends up where the beginning of the story started. So you're like, oh, and that's why I was on the roller coaster. You know, like the, it's always like the best story when it when it you know that's the structure you always got to bring it home Mm. yeah i absolutely love it so i'm totally violating that but we're still going to have some joy because you're going to answer some questions that i've had just a few one was the one i had three questions and one was the thing like you can't go back and and i got that we covered that the another one was it was a, a crazy thing and i actually i heard this on thc And I was we interviewed Greg and I said, oh, you know, that really resonated with me. And he was like, what do you what do you mean? Pot shouldn't be legal. I was like, no, no, that's not what I was saying. It was that (laughs) it was that you what something you had said is like, yes, of course, like it's outrageous that some guy with a gun should stand between you and God's gift like hemp and it's healing and all that stuff, obviously. But somehow and and, you know, maybe I'm taking these people too seriously, but these assholes seem to make making pot legal uh, like they corrupted it by, you know, instead of just being like, yeah, just grow it like we're not going to bother you. Just grow it, smoke it. It's easy to grow. It's a weed. It's actually hard to stop from growing. You know, just cut the males down and it'll be fine. You know, it's like not that hard. So when so when they did it and all of a sudden it's like kids are in the hospital and there's like it's somehow oil and it's deconstructed and it's super intense and and, uh, you know, s- somehow it seemed to have had a, a, you know, they managed to make it negative. And I and it just bums me out. And it's like it's hard for me. But you're the only other person who like wasn't secretly hoping to bring back the drug war who who had the, you know, would uh, uh, say that out loud. So just do I wanted to color in what you might have meant. So, OK, um, well, there, there's a there's a, a saying that. Um, problems created by nature have simple solutions and problems created by man have no solutions. You know, that's one of the ways like, you know, figuring things out. And so the problem with with like the legalization of cannabis is, you know, it's 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 like it's it's so filled with like, obviously, like I think I think there should be no laws. That's me. I think there should be absolutely no laws. But like what what is actually going on, like in terms of like all of this built up sort of 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 pressure of, you know, pot having maybe a stigma or at least being illegal and then suddenly it's legal. And then there's a release of all of that demand. And then, you know, the pot, which, which is smoked now is, you know, it's a genetic, it's, it's not the same thing, which, which was smoked a decade ago, which was smoked two decades ago. It is in many ways been weaponized. It's been weaponized and, and it's uh, um, that's what I mean. And because it's got this green light that like you can smoke whatever you want, and there's no consequence. And in fact, it, it's like the same thing, like when you put organic on cookies, I'm like, oh, these <laughs> yes. are freaking organic cookies. I'll take 78 of them. 
Yes. You know, I, that's I, what I that's what I meant by that. Like it's it's like like what probably and, and now it's like this huge industry, too, you know, and so it's, it's that's another thing. And, and anything that the corporations or the government or, you know, the taxation system benefits from they then instead of it just being like a, a natural give and take you what you want, blah, 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 then it's pushed on you. It's pushed on you in the most addictive possible form. It's pushed on you. And it just, you know, it just bums me out like forever. And still, I hate the. Yeah. Okay, being Gleason. And they're yeah. doing pot for shot. Get your vaccine. We'll give you a joint. We'll even bring it to you. So they got people sitting in their houses telling them they can't go anywhere and they're pushing marijuana on them. I, I don't know. I, I've never cared about I did a freaking presentation in college where I my teacher thought I had actually brought in little baggies of cocaine because I started <laughs> the presentation by sliding baggies to people. And it was it was baking soda. But the whole point was you don't know what you're going to get on the black market. So I, I'm all like, I, I don't think there should be any laws around that either. But when you get people confined to home, you get them depressed and then you bring drugs to them. That's not going to that's not conducive for thinking and, and for uh, eye opening stuff. That's conducive well, yeah. for creating mind controlled slaves, basically. That's what I think, too. And I, I, I think Michael was saying he doesn't think there should be any laws at all. And I as an anarchist, I feel the same way. But like as soon as I saw George Soros was financing, like legalizing pot in Colorado, yeah. I had to wonder what was up his sleeve. And then <laughs> yeah. if you go back and read some of the earlier conspiracy works, like the report from Iron Mountain or, or John Coleman, the committee of 300, where he's like they want to it, you have euphemized forms of slavery, like you will be a slave to drugs and all that. So they, they'll weaponize anything. But to bring it back to my mom, if I complain to her about that or fret about how Edward Bernays like he got in, he has control of our minds, whatever. It's just like you have free will. You control your own mind. Don't give me that crap. Anybody who falls for that, it's their own fault. So. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, just if you if you, you know, smoke it, grow it, smoke it, whatever. And uh, yes, I shouldn't lament. And actually, this goes back to something Michael was saying, like, I shouldn't worry about somebody else's inner self, inner space, what what they only they can control. I cannot control that. So what do I care if they're if they're vaping weird stuff or uh, big stuff is we- anything with the USB. That's what I said. Like as soon as I saw that, like six years ago, I'm yes. like, I don't know about that, Mister. Yeah. yeah. Tech- I tell my kids, I'm like, this is a true rule about everything that you're putting into a hole. Like, first of all, if there's no hole there, it probably doesn't belong. Like anything that you're putting in your body with a needle, like I would be very cautious of that because there's no filtering mechanism. Every other thing has some kind of barrier between whatever you're putting in it. And if you're going to put something in it, you should know what it was in nature because you're an organism. So if you're eating food and you can't tell what animal or plant it came from, you should probably avoid it. And that goes with what you're smoking and everything. If you know what it is, it's probably in a form that has all the counteractive things in it, the compounds that your body grew up alongside it. I always think that's a good plan. Like if you if you cannot tell what it is, it's probably not meant for an uh, like living thing to feed off of. But uh So and that actually brings me to my last question, which I had mentioned before we hit record, which was 
you had said it was a very liberating thought to me. It was a, like a great thought experiment. And then I read an article that really brought it home, which was what something you said was, what if just imagine if you didn't need food if you didn't need food to live. And then I read an article the other day that had a woman who was lost, like she was reported missing and they found that she had been living in a tent since November and she was skinny and bedraggled or whatever. And she was eating moss and drinking water. And I'm thinking, I don't know, I wouldn't mind having a conversation with her because she's still alive. I mean, that's six months. Like if she's truly wasting away to nothing, I don't know how long that would take, but she was managing. And, and I thought how hilarious it would be. I mean, I, 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 if the woman is sick, I'm not happy about that. I have no idea what her state is right now, but just the thought to carry the thought experiments on, like if every, if every beaten down mom or, uh, you know, Willie Loman in the country had this notion that they didn't need food and they could just walk away from their car and just keep walking and really not worry about anything for a very long time, how that would liberate you from what you're afraid of. And I, I just thought it was a really profound thought experiment. But I also think sometimes you you are deeper than I understand. And maybe I got it wrong. Uh, no. Well, I meant it in a very literal way. Like I'm not, I'm not suggesting right. that's true. I'm suggesting that there's no, no, no. I'm there's just... enough evidence to say that it's a possibility. So here's some evidence. You you can go and see in like all of uh, in in many many different uh, like spiritual paths that oh yeah, there are people who don't eat. Yeah, they don't need to eat to survive. I mean, didn't, um, what, didn't Jesus go in the desert without eating for 40 days? I'm totally. not saying. No. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's not, not like, God, but like he was a body like. Right. That right. So. 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 I mean, this 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 is an idea. I'm not I'm not saying this is the case, but this is the idea that I, I hold like. um you know, we we eat on a regular basis and it reestablishes us as being very, very like, you know, three dimensionally solid. But we can look around the physical world, the material world, and we can see that there are multiple states of being like from like, you know, uh, uh, a piece of grass is much different than than a stone in terms of its density. You know, uh, smoke is very different. Um, there are all these claims of, you know, the the breathitarians the people who who we we know that that trees exist a long time primarily when sunlight and water like there's all what I, I'm, I'm suggesting is there are many many different ways of of life being uh occurring on earth on 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 this thing which we're on we know human beings are very very different than all of the other creatures why are we different because we are the only ones when we're in our normal walking position that our spinal cord is perpendicular to the plane of the earth now what exactly that means i'm not certain yet but i think it's important i think that this is this is one of the indicators of like what and how a human being can be like we you know we're, we're never told to think this way we're just like whatever you know you're a, you're a, you're a monkey like literally four generations ago you were an ape and now look at you you should be lucky now get in have your vaccine so um i think that it is or i'm open to the idea i don't really experiment with it but i'm open to the idea like you know what if you really did what if being human you did not have to eat that eating was a a 
a luxury, more of a pleasure, more of a pleasure. Like it was not a necessity right now. It's a necessity. And by eating all the day, we're just every day we're becoming so dense. You know, that's part of the density. Um, And we do know, like, you know, the rise of intermittent fasting and the benefits of like not eating for a while in the system and all these sort of things. But the point I'm trying to make with with the food, the uh, there is a um, and the reason why I say this is one of the biggest ways of controlling the population is through food, not just like what they put in the food, but the 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 constant telling that you need food, like certainly you get hungry. So, again, like, you know, if being open to possibilities, when I say like, you know, maybe what is within the realm of potentiality of of what the human being is capable of being is going to sound like fantasy. So this is an example of what I mean by sounding like fantasy. But if we're going to be honest and most people don't want to be honest, we know that there is a tremendous amount of effort to feed us a bunch of shit all the time and keep us in the dark. They call it the mushroom diet. Diet. And so we do not know <laughs> what our blind spot is. And we have to and you have to be willing to go and look at all possibilities. If you did not have to eat um, a lot of the anxieties that you hold, because that's the key thing of, of this culture is keeping you in a constant state of anxiety, uh, they would be alleviated. It's possible maybe you have considered or would consider that electricity plays into the concept of why we're, you know, we have negative at the bottom and positive at the top and we are perpendicular and the, and the uh, how electricity affects us and EEG and EKG. That's how you understand the heart and the brain, how you mm-hmm. measure it, mm-hmm. the exactly. electric universe. I mean, it could be that electricity and electrolytes are all that really takes you to go. But yeah, we got back to the beginning with that's why we're completely bombarded with propaganda night and day. And and actually in that self-evident fact lies the hope, I think. I would hope so. I'll also say this. So I, I I'm in, in complete agreement with you about the significance of electricity and the electrical universe, uh, what we use and what we're surrounded with in electricity. I think that is weaponization. I don't think it's authentic, like the way that that electrons are extracted. I don't think you ever hear it told this way, but electrons are extracted from the earth by creating this artificial field by like coiling copper and like running magnets over it. Like that's not like a naturally occurring thing like all the scalar waves up in the heavens they don't need any of that and so we're doing this kind of thing and i don't know if you read the book i think it's called invisible rainbow yes it was really popular about a year ago um but like the guy makes a really valid idea or, or that you know what every time there is an artificial change within the electromagnetic sphere of us live in our atmosphere like there's a die off and there's a die off because we don't like it. Yeah, it interferes also with the naturals that you do need. So you can't just build a Faraday cage. You need the right. natural earth. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If you build a Faraday cage, you might as well just be wearing a double mask. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's it's no good for you. So I didn't really give you a very um, accessible introduction in that people don't know, maybe don't know where they can find you, what you're you know, what you offer and um, how they can listen to you. And, uh, you know, you do such cool like 
uh, are they crafts? Like you have some super cool stuff on your website, I noticed. So tell very us about crafty. that. Kind of stuff. I am very crafty. <laughs> um, but that's so if people are interested, probably the best place to get a lot or, or to, to find the information I put out is, is YouTube. So you can get, you could go to Susquehanna Alchemy, everything Susquehanna Alchemy. So YouTube Susquehanna Alchemy. Um, I've been on a lot of podcasts. I almost like to call myself a professional podcast guest, but the problem <laughs> is you don't get paid by being a professional no, podcast guest. So it's more so like professional with quotation marks, like professional, like I take it with right. a great deal of seriousness. I showered for this. I we were not even in person <laughs> and you. I showered. I'm a real stickler for that. <laughs> so so uh, the podcast, if you go to my website, there's like uh, you can find the link tree. And I've got almost all the podcasts, which I've been on, if you're interested in that. Uh, the website, you could find other things like uh, services. I love to work with people, a whole variety of things. Uh, if you live in the area, I live in Pennsylvania. I go really deep into the Susquehanna mystery. We didn't even talk about that. I know. But- I'm fascinating so, stuff, but I give I tours of the area. Well, can we do it again? Can we, we do, it again do it again? And again. Just we, could talk, we could talk all about the Susquehanna River. I want to come the- do a tour. Well, are you in L.A.? I'm in L.A., but I'm from Rockland County and my family, my origin is Pennsylvania Dutch. And uh, what? Yes. <laughs> this, you've been holding that on for like the You just kind of like sorry. drop that at the end. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> told the story the other day of how my grandfather was a map maker in Ithaca, New York, and he met my grandmother there who was an orphan at an Irish convent and she was Syrian. But she she worked. She stayed on and worked so she could work in the library at Cornell because she just wanted to learn. And he was a map maker up there who kind of ranged from the farm. So he loved her, married her or whatever, brought her home, brings her home to Pennsylvania. They didn't even speak English. So they weren't even worried that this guy who looks like, you know, one of those little translucent fish at the bottom of the ocean. My grandfather brings home this like uh, Syrian chick with like huge hair and coal under her eyes and everything. And all they said was kind of Deutsche. <laughs> so uh we could go <laughs> we could get the, the the weirdness i can share with you about which is in your background like the finger lakes and scranton like have you ever wondered like why tiny old scranton is so like kind of in the the periphery of 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 the collective consciousness and what the geological implication is of that area and how it's unlike anywhere else in the world and how Philip K Dick was writing about it like i i i would love to come back and just talk about that now that i know that you've got a a personal connection yes brad well, where where are yes. you from brad I'm from Snellville, Georgia, originally. I'm and I'm in Snellville right now. <laughs> I was born and raised. Yeah. Snellville. Snellville. Georgia. I know. Bigly from be, Snellville. It's I've perfect. never even heard of Snellville, yeah. and I know a lot of places. It, it used to be Snellville, where everybody is somebody. That that was the original <laughs> slogan of Snellville, and then they changed it for some reason to Snellville, where everybody's proud to be somebody. I, I don't know how they came to that <laughs> conclusion. To I don't even that. know what that second one means. I don't either. That's yeah, what like, I said. I, don't, I heard that. Yeah, I wrap. I try to wrap my head around what it actually means. It it reminds me of another thing. Uh, Tyler Perry's studios, his old studios. When you would walk into it, there's this big uh, sign, a motto, a motto on the you know in the front of it, and it says, "Where 
even dreams believe. And that just baffled me for, <laughs> for years. I've been Where trying to figure out dreams believe. So when you means. walk in, you're already confused. Yeah. Yeah. And then you walk in and he's got a huge chair, like on, uh, on an elevated and you have to sit at a little teeny chair at his feet. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's all part of the cycle. Wow. 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 That sounds more like uh, La Cosa Nostra than anything else. <laughs> exactly. I bet you give great tours. I can only imagine. The yeah. So I great. should be at my, um, Mom's visiting my mom over the summer, and if you're around, will you give her my best? Like, I feel like I know her now. Like she feels so like I feel so sweet in my heart when I think about your mom. Yeah. I can't even see her, but I can. Oh, you wouldn't believe it. She's she. Everybody she's loves great. my mom, yeah. and she's 92. And somebody slipped her the vax, and I'm like, how mom. old? Wait, wait. She. Was I know, right? It's confusing. You. I'm the youngest of nine. So she was like 75 when I was born. It's really yeah. weird. I, think I saw that in the animals of, of, of Pennsylvania birth history. I like to call her Sarah, like of the Bible. Like she could. No, I'm just kidding. I'm much, much older than I if seem you to look in this If you light. come east this summer. Yes. And if you contact me and if you come here, I'll give you a tour. And Brad will come up to I'll give you both a tour. He's he uh, he is always welcome, but he doesn't like to jump on the plane in five seconds like I do. But I do. I do. It just takes working up for me. To, I'm not a big plane fan. I, he, I don't know, like if I could do for planes anymore. I'm sorry. I'm just it's, I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to leave the country again because I really am not going to get that vaccine unless it's a matter of life or death for my kids. And they're just like, well, we're going to like whatever Nazi your kids. But. Then even then, I, I'm not sure I want to be just uh, I, they're, they're, blackmailed they're, like right. that. Yeah. I, I, so, I, yeah, but we we did. My son came with me. We were talking to a guy, Bellamy Fitzpatrick, who's got a permaculture thing in upstate New York. And we drove like four hours just to see him. And um, we like the we like the road trip. We're road trippers. So uh, is permaculture a topic of interest for you? I was very interested in it until I bought the book and realized like I literally cannot grow. I can grow potatoes. I think that's my Irish heritage, but that's it. And uh, and then and I rent my house. So I'm like, so it takes 15 years for the peaches and 35 years for the pears. Like <laughs> it's like long term planning. It's not I, like it's it's totally not whole foods. I need roots before I can plant <laughs> things with roots. Uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll just give this as a teaser and we can talk about this next time as well. So, um, two falls ago, two autumns ago, I spent six weeks working on an Amish hemp farm. It was an Amish English hemp farm. And that's like, no one does that. Like the Amish don't let, don't like, there's never an Amish. English is just anyone who's not Amish. Um, And uh, they, they, they separate, but this was just when, when like hemp became legal to grow in Pennsylvania. And um, I don't know, I'm not a farmer, but like this opportunity kind of presented itself and uh, working side by side, like the, I live in Lancaster. So I see a lot of Amish people. Usually you're, they're on the other side of the counter. You still are, are interacting with them, but when you work side by side with them and you get to go in the, 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 the wagons like completely uh, expanded my understanding of the Pennsylvania Dutch culture is I would love to that's, that's spend really some time 
And yeah. and my son who who will travel with me, man, nothing could please him more than to harvest hemp with the Amish. I'm not kidding. Like he he did a Kotef thing at Children of the Earth Foundation, which the coyote trackers in the Appalachians. All right. And he he said the day he got there, I love this story. The day he got there, you know, they were showing him the ropes and they were like, okay, this is rope. Rope is hemp. Hemp is rope. God gave us hemp for rope. All rope is hemp. <laughs> and he was just like, Mom, how can hemp be illegal? It's rope. <laughs> Only hemp can be rope. I'm like, talk to the hand, buddy. Their hand. I can't help you with that. Can't help. Shut you down. But anyway, so it does sound like we have a lot to talk about next time. I'm definitely going to hit you up for a tour. No question about that. And I might even... I've got some birthdays coming up. I might even uh, solicit your help in a reading or two. I think that would be a really good idea. I'm a little bit biased. I'm a little bit biased, but I think that would be a really good idea. (laughs) Oh, I'll do it. There is no question about it. I I definitely I'm intrigued. And uh, maybe I'll ask for one for Mother's Day and I'll and I'll uh, I'll give one for Mother's Day. So that's awesome, Michael. Thank you. I hope you didn't mind that we just, uh, you know, picked your brain like Uh, a reading. So I can tell you that back. So you might get a reading like. Is that what you call it, Michael? Yeah, what is call, it? Yeah, I call them Sky Mancy sessions. Nice. Wait, is my mother going to? Well, she's not going to care, but are my Catholic listeners going to tell me that it's like uh, whatever, like speaking to evil spirits or something? If they believe what I do is speaking to evil spirits, then yes, <laughs> they would say it's speaking to evil spirits. <laughs> if you don't believe that, then they won't. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, uh, yeah. So, how how long is a session like that? You just uh, work ahead an hour, of time, right? An hour. I walk right. people. I, I do a whole bunch of different stuff. I do this one thing called. Uh, uh, that's why I say go to the website. Look what yeah. I do. It's called synchromistic okay. detective work. And people like send me like a full description of a really strange thing in their life, and I just dive into it. And I come back with a full analysis. I give them like an hour presentation on it. That's really cool. All right, I need like, some I white at, pills. Yeah. So if you're not if you're not going to give me an uplifting. I'm going to this is the one thing I uh, everything I do is always couched in that. I think that's Great. very important. Very. That's all very I need, because I the other stuff I can do on my own. And, and there's plenty of white pill out there, but it's hard to see it when all you do is read propaganda yeah. all day, yeah. every day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's your website right there on your shirt, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. That's going to happen. Oh, I love it. I like love it. I got font. swag. You, the swag's on there. I get like good, I got good T-shirts. I got give me, really give me, give me. So I tend to like I'll, I'll end up like whatever, buying all the stuff and uh, coming to visit you and wearing it. I'll be like a true believer. So that would be fantastic. Let's head down that path. All right. Yeah. That sounds this was a lot of fun, guys. This Super fun. Thank you so much. We'll for put coming, the link Michael. in the show notes, by the way, for the spelling. Is bit Susquehanna yeah, Alchemy. We'll put the link for uh, uh, Alchemy. Okay, and I'll send Spell you all. I'll send you all that stuff. Actually, once we get off this, I'll send you an email. Okay. All right. Thank awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Michael. All right, guys. Thank you. Later. See you later. Are you enjoying this special episode of the Propaganda Report? If you are, you might enjoy our weekday show, The Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. We listen to the news and peel away the propaganda so you don't have to. It's free in the Propaganda Report feed on your favorite podcasting platform. And if that's not enough for you, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash propaganda report. There you can get a full 45 minutes of daily news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice 
or choose higher tiers that give you all of that, plus access to our very special disappearing patron parties, live streamed cocktail parties with us and like-minded patrons, two Fridays every month that are always a blast. Hope you are enjoying this special episode of the Propaganda Report and hope to catch you at a patron party soon. <laughs>